is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31.30 This is Faithful Women. Um, this chapter is Contentment, chapter 4. Um, this one, I feel like you know, really kind of hits on the level that meets all of our needs or something that we can all learn about. Um, and then, and it says um, that contentment is a noun and um, it's a state of happiness and satisfaction. This is a virtue that we can apply. And like I said, I feel like this really applies to all of us where we are um, because this is just something that you know, we can all strive for. There's um, a lot of different situations and a lot of different things in our lives that we may not be content about. And so this is good to learn this virtue. Um, the goal, of course, of contentment is we want to be comfortable in every situation. And then the lady that wrote the book was talking about how her mother-in-law described contentment. Here comes Mallory. Let me let her in. And she said, hey, Mallory. So she said that uh, contentment is a deep satisfaction with the will of God. And here comes Chelsea. Y'all give me just a second. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Mallory. I don't see their videos. I hear Amelia. <laughs> hey, Mallory. Hey, hey, we're at football practice. Hey, Chelsea. Okay. I heard a I heard a voice. We just got home from dancing. I'm fixing their plate, so I'm going to mute myself, but I'm here. Okay, awesome. All right, so everybody's here. If there's more that comes in, we'll just let them in. We're just talking about contentment and how it kind of relates to all of us. And it's, we can all learn different things from it and different ways to apply it. And that contentment is, the goal of contentment is to be comfortable in every situation. And um, someone described contentment as a deep satisfaction with the will of God. And I think that's so true. You know, when we trust God's will and that he is sovereign, then we're able to um, you know, have that contentment and just that peace that only he can gives that give us, you know, to know that ultimately he's in control. Um, and then verse, um, Romans eight, verse 28 says, when we know that God works all things for our good and his glory, then we have contentment in our own circumstance. You know, it's kind of paraphrasing, but you know, the verse says, we know that God works all things for our good and his glory. And so, when we look at that verse, we can't help but have contentment because we know that he's in control and no matter if things are happening that don't look like they're good right now, you know, I think we've all been through circumstances that we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves, but ultimately in the end, God knows best and he had a purpose in it and he had a plan. And so he worked for our good and his glory. He was able to receive glory through it. And that's something that, you know, just becoming a more, mature Christian and just learning that we can definitely um, learn that and it's something that is not necessarily easy to attain but um, we can get there and 
even when the situations are hard or hurt, like I just said, he has a plan to bring glory to himself and work it for our good. And this was really important to me. You know, it goes over in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, and it's talking about Paul. And Paul says, not that I speak in regard of need or to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and that means humble and to bring low, and I know how to be abound. Every, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen, or who strengthens me. And I just really thought that it was important to point out that, you know, even though um, we, we, you know, think, well, I can just do it myself. I can be content. Well, actually, Paul had to learn to be content. He didn't just, it's not something he just received and he was content. He had to actually apply and learn and allow God or allow to trust in God before he was able to learn to be content. So it's definitely something that we need to work on and learn. Um, and then, you know, last week we did, not last week, but last time we did cheerfulness. And contentment goes hand in hand with cheer, cheerfulness. Mess up that R, cheerfulness. <laughs> um, it's hard to have a cheerful spirit if you are discontent. And that's so true. Um, and then we want to relate that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things refer to being content in all circumstances. All right, so Betty, does that mean that we're just content when things are going right? Sorry, I'm using like my teacher thing. Like, okay, Sam, does that mean that we're content when things are going wrong and right? If it says all things. Yeah, yeah, so it means like, we need to be content in all things, not just when things are going good, not just when things are. Hey, Tasha. I can Sorry, see. I'm dork. Super excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Hey, I've had to learn so much virtual this year, man. I, um, if y'all know me, I'm not like the most tech savvy person. So I always depended on Jason to do it for me, but I really had to learn for myself this year. <laughs> I'm the virtual teacher. So I've gotten the swing of it, I think. Um, but yeah, so it talks about being content in all circumstances, not just when we, things are going right or things are happening that we want to happen. Contentment comes through the strength of Christ, not our own strength. And that's so important because, you know, culture will tell us, oh, well, you got it, girl, you go be you and you do you and you do what makes you happy. No, that, that's not, you cannot rely on yourself. You're not going to make yourself happy no matter how hard you try. Sorry, but that's just the cold hard truth. God's going to make you happy if you allow him to. You have to trust on his strength and in his strength to make you happy um, and to give you strength. So we learn to have contentment. And then this is like what I went over a second ago. I'll just reiterate. If the Apostle Paul had to learn this virtue, we can't expect just to have it. Um, rather than we have to learn to be able to attain it as well. So we have to learn how to have contentment. Um, and then it goes over, you know, in Paul's life, if anyone had a reason to know how not to be content, it was certainly Paul. And on page 26 of the book, you know, it says he was whipped, 
He was in prison many times. He nearly died several times. Like, I don't think these things even really kind of touch the problems that we face in life. And so he, five times the Jews whipped him with 39 lashes. He was beaten with rods on three occasions. He was stoned once. He was shipwrecked three times and spent the night and a day in the sea. He was often in danger. He was in danger from false brothers. He suffered weariness, painfulness, sleepiness. He was often hungry and thirsty and without food or drink. And he was often cold and naked. And I can say from firsthand experience, I've never been close to any of those types of things. And I still find myself uncontent or not content at times. And so if anybody knows going through struggles and going through battles and, you know, the reason why you shouldn't be content, it was him. But he chose to be a good steward. And we'll talk about that in a second. He chose to be a good steward of what was happening and what God was allowing to happen in his life. And he chose to learn to have contentment through that. And that's just amazing. That's an amazing example for us to be able to look up to. Um, let turn my page. So, you know, he didn't depend on his own strength, but the strength of Christ. And like I said, you know, culture is going to tell you that you can do it, that you need just to take a break or you deserve this or, you know, you deserve better or you deserve, you deserve, you deserve, you deserve. Okay. Let me just get some straight. We don't deserve anything. We actually, if we look at it, <laughs> we deserve the wrath of God. So for God to give us his grace, that is amazing. And so we don't deserve any good, but God gives us good if we're saved. And so that we can't sit there and say, oh, well, you know, I need to do this for myself or I need to whatever. And yes, I'm not talking about, you can't, you can have me time and, you know, but as far as culture says, what you can do to help yourself or these five steps will help you be a better you. Like I've seen those books. I've read Girl, Go Wash Your Face or whatever it is. Oh, I tried to read it and I just couldn't. It, I was in such self-conflict and like turmoil because it put so much pressure on myself. And I would like, I was literally going crazy. Like I would go for a walk and I'm like, Jason, I'm losing it. Like I can't do it all. Well, guess what? I figured out. Of course, I can't do it all. Everything points to God and how it's not me, it's only God. And so the, although I can't do it all, guess who can? Christ. And so if I allow his strength and I believe in him, boom, I have contentment. I'm learning to have contentment. And even when bad things happen or situations happen that, you know, I'm like, man, I wish that wouldn't happen. This is gonna cause this, this, and this. Well, um, you know, I'm learning to believe and understand God's sovereignty and okay, well, this is God's plan or it wouldn't have happened. And so I can be content in knowing that he has a bigger plan for my glory, or for, sorry, for my good and his glory. So in Acts 16.25, okay, hey, Betty, can you message Ripley? She was just talking about how to get in. Can you send her that link? Maybe copy it. Yeah. In Acts 1625, Paul was in jail. He and Silas were, it says, praying and singing hymns to God. And then God sent an earthquake and broke open the prison doors. 
So Paul was in jail. How many of us could say we were in jail, but we chose to praise God? Like that's astounding. So his focus wasn't on his problems. His focus was on Christ. And so in that, God sent an earthquake, broke open the prison doors. And this was so important too. Of course, we must focus on God in the midst of our troubles. But the focus of contentment is Christ. So if we want to be content, we must keep our focus on Christ. The focus of discontentment is our problems or our troubles. So if we want to constantly be discontent, then of course, worry about your troubles. But if you want to be different and live a different life and have contentment, then focus on Christ, focus on his promises. And we'll go through a couple of things that will help you with that. And then that brings us to two sources of discontentment. And the first one is things that we have. And, you know, it says some signs of discontentment, grumbling, which we talked about that with cheerfulness that goes hand in hand. You know, what, it, what good does grumbling do? Of course, sometimes, you know, you have to get it out. You have to just tell your husband or tell your best friend or whatever. But we shouldn't sit there and just gossip, complain, make things worse. Like that's all it's going to do is make things worse. And it's not bringing any glory to God to sit there and just mumble and grumble and complain and be, you know, I mean, I feel like, Lord Beth, I know I've had a reason to grumble. You've had reasons to grumble within just since we talked about cheerfulness, but I feel like we've held each other to a higher standard. And I'm not going to say, Betty, don't talk to me about that. Of course not. But we choose to, if we have a problem, we talk about it and we think positive about it and we pray for each other about it. We're not going to sit there and grumble and say, oh, poor me. And what good does that do? You know, at the end of the day, it just makes the problem worse because you're thinking about it more. So, um, it's a re so discontentment, that's just a restless desire for something else or something more. And that's, <clears throat> you know, things that we have. So in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And that is such a wonderful thing. At the end of the day, no matter what we have, guess what's not leaving? God. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. And so we begin to look at what we have and we find fault in it or we want more. And it's easy to do, y'all. Like, I mean, I think everybody, well, no, everybody doesn't know. Sorry, Stephanie, here's your news. Um, I'm pregnant. So sorry, Stephanie, I haven't told you already. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, everybody at church knows because Arlie Ray cannot, well, Natasha, I don't think you knew either. Oh, sorry. No, congratulations. Thank you. Well, this Friday I can tell everybody because I will actually be out of the first trimester. So, um, but I say that to say like, when you have a new baby, of course you're going to, I want another car. I want this or that, you know, I'm like, Oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. Well, I really don't need it. I need to put my priorities in God and then think, okay not be so discontent with the things I have because my car's really fine. Um, so that's just one of the areas I kind of like, you know, when it says, you know, like we look at what we have and we kind of think, mm, you know, I want more. Or I want a bigger house. Lord, I can barely just fit what I have right now, you know? Um, but that just means I need to clean out a bunch of junk. I have got five bags of trash out of my baby's 
playroom because that's going to be a baby room soon. Um, but whatever our circumstances or positions or possessions, sorry, God has given us something very precious. So no matter if we literally live in the dirt, if we're saved, Jesus has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. And that is such a beautiful promise. And that's such a beautiful thing to just have that hope and have that reassurance. There's nothing like it. And then no matter the difficulty, our Savior is with us and will strengthen us. And then the second thing that causes discontent, um, things that we don't have. And then in Luke 12, 15, it says, Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And that's Luke 12, 15. And, you know, sometimes we think that if we could just, if I could just get a new car, I'd be so happy. If I could just get a better job, I didn't have so much drama. Or if I just could get a better job that paid more. If I could just get just a little bit bigger square footage, that way Arla could have her own playroom and Jason can have an office. Or if I could just... I don't know, whatever the circumstance may be, we always think if I could just, you know, get this thing, then I'll be so happy. But guess what? That's not true because you get a new car, you get a new house, and then guess what? You're going to want something else more. Material things are not going to satisfy your heart. The only thing that's going to satisfy you is Christ. So, all that brings us to the steps to learn or steps that we can take to learn contentment. Remember, we have to learn it. It's not something that we're just going to boom tomorrow. I'm so content with my life. No, we have to strive for it. Okay. So one, we can express appreciation to God for the blessings and for the promises that we have. Okay. So, and there's like this old cliche saying, Oh, you know, I just look around today and I, I just think, you know, today I have what I, 10 years ago, I prayed I had. That's so true. Like, I just look around my house and I see my husband and my beautiful daughter and I'm like, 10 years ago, we were married 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, I would have only dreamed to have a baby girl. Like I could have only imagined and dreamed of that. And now it's reality. And then I find myself being content or being discontent because of a car or something stupid. And I'm like, where are my priorities? Like, I got to get it straight. You know, like, what, six months ago, I was discontent because Arlie always talks about a sibling, always. And she even told her daddy, we take turns putting her in bed. And she said, daddy, I just been playing, but got to put a baby in mama's belly. And I told a lot of you guys that. And so, of course, I was discontent, but I chose to pray about it and trust God's will. And here we are. He has blessed us. And I cannot wait to meet this baby one day. But that's just a way, you know, like the answer may be no sometimes. And it was no for us for probably two years. Um, but God knows the timing and he knows when we need this baby. And so I learned to be content through that. You know, regardless of God never gave me a baby, I still honestly learn to be content with Arlie Ray because she's more than I could ever dream. And I remember back when Chelsea was, you know, trying for Waverly, I remember she was, she told me the same thing. And I often, you know, think about it when I was going through this struggle, 
she would always say exactly the same thing. You know, if God doesn't bless me with another baby, I have like Amelia is more than I can ever dream of. She's more than I could ever want. She's everything. And so, you know, just learning to be content with what we do have is something that we take for granted and we just have to remember where our priorities are and to keep them straight. So choose thankfulness, whether you feel like it or not. There's going to be times this road's not going to be easy. I can guarantee you as a Christian, it's not. There are going to be things you're going to walk through. Um, God's going to allow things to, you know, happen. Of course, if we never had problems, would we ever need God? No. There's things that are going to happen. Um, that's probably, you know, the one thing we can count on. That, you know, life happens and things happen and that it's going to be hard sometimes. You know, whether it just be hard because we're busy, whatever the case may be, we have to choose to be thankful in all of it. Um, and then number two, confess any covetousness. You know, that's a commandment. We shouldn't covet. And all that's going to do is bring envy. So if my neighbor gets a new car, if my neighbor builds a new house, man, I wish that was me. I'm a teacher. I won't ever build a house like that. I mean, you know, like I'm telling you all the things that go through my mind sometimes, like teacher salary, can't afford that square footage, won't be driving that car. Okay, well, who cares? Like, I have a good job, and I should not covet what other people have. I need to be proud for them and thankful that God has blessed them with that. And my neighbors are some of my best friends, so, you know, I really don't feel that way. I'm just saying. I have, though. I have. I'm working on it. Um, so, number three, always remember Romans 8.28. That's the verse that we started with. All things do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Okay. So as long as we remain in God, put him first. Y'all have frozen. frozen on me. But as long as we put him first, then he's going to work it out, guys. He's got a plan for us. God ordains all things. He will use all these things for our good. In 2015, and I know we talk about it a lot, but it literally changed my life. My dad passed away. In May, well, actually, Jason took over the church in May, I think May 1st, May 30th. My dad passed away, unexpected heart attack, just boom. He was my best friend. He literally raised me from the time I was a baby. I never lived with my mom. I always lived with my dad. So, boom, he was gone. I lived with my dad until I got married. Um, so, that happened. We got pregnant with the first baby right after that, like a month after that. I was like, oh, God's giving me a blessing because he knows how hard this is. Well, guess what? Boom, that was gone too. We lost our baby. Then this was within, I think in June, we lost our baby, June, July, July, because it was right before school started. Then um, December of the same year, 2015, on Christmas Day, my mother-in-law passed away. If anybody knows my mother-in-law, like, you know, some people struggle to have a good relationship with their mother-in-law. Mine was the an angel like she would take care of, care of us if we were sick she, we I'm talking she was the most wonderful one of the most wonderful women or that has ever walked the earth like she was wonderful she actually moved to Caledonia because she was going to keep our babies when we had them so they wouldn't have to go to daycare and then boom we lost her just unexpectedly she just she was sick we didn't think that it was that bad well it was and God called her home and so 2015, I'm left thinking, you know, me and Tasha's kind of talked about, you know, like in the prosperity gospel where 
bad things don't happen to Christians. Um, but guess what? They did. And so then I'm wrecked. I'm like, who is God? Why would he allow this? What has happened? But guess what God has done through all that? Look where I am today. I would have never, ever thought that I could speak in front of other people, much less talk about God. And my relationship with God is something that I feel like has just blossomed after that happened. Of course, I've been a Christian my whole life, or so I thought, and had a relationship with God. But then when bad things happen, y'all, it's just a way of God drawing you to him. And I'm going to tell you, like, I, I feel like the difference between that relationship I had before and the relationship I've had now is night and day because I can trust God with my life, honestly. And just that peace of knowing that he's my father and that everything that happened, he ordains or happens, he ordains. And that's just such a wonderful thing. And so he has definitely took all that hurt and, and turned it for the good for me. You know, of course, we're still going to miss those people, but think where they are. They're in heaven. I know my dad's in heaven. I know he's having a wonderful time. Just praising God. I know my mother-in-law's in heaven. And what better joy could we ever have than knowing that our most loved ones are in heaven? I mean, that's God's glory right there. That's, that's bringing good to me right there, knowing that they're, they no longer face the struggles of the world. Um, sorry, I tend to talk a lot. So y'all, I hope this doesn't go too long. Um, and then number four, the fourth way that we can learn to, t to have contentment. Um, we need to ask, you know, and this is what I was talking about with Paul. What are my duties in this situation? And this hit me hard because I have never been taught to think this way. Um, we should think, how can I glorify God in this? And how can I be a good steward of this difficulty? What? Okay, I'm going to say, Culture is not going to tell you that. Culture is not going to say, oh, if something bad happens, how can you bring God glory from that? No, culture is going to say, feel sorry for yourself. You go out and do this because you've had a rough day. You go out and drink this because you've had a rough day. Or you go out and do this. You deserve better. You do this. You make yourself feel better. No, how can we bring God glory? That's a mature thing, y'all. That's something that's on a whole new level. Of course, you're going to have, Chelsea must have got kicked out. Of course, you're going to have pain and you're going to struggle. But thank you, okay, God, I know that you have purpose in this and I know that you have a plan for it. So how can I bring you glory through it? How can I be a good steward of what's happening? And that's what Paul did. Paul went through some of the worst things. I don't think most of us, and I don't know everybody's life situation, but I've never been beaten. I've never had to go to jail. I've never been whipped, um, stoned, almost died, shipwrecked, spent all night and day in the sea. I've never faced anything like that. So I can say that Paul learned to have contentment in this situation and he learned to be a good steward. Even though he was in jail, he chose to, to praise God. He chose to sing hymns to God. His focus was God, not that he was in trouble, in jail. That's amazing. And number five, pay attention to your thoughts and your words. And are you full of mummer, 
<laughs> read that wrong. Are you full of grumbling and complaining? Um, and you know, we kind of mentioned this earlier. Is that helping anything? Like if I go talk to Natasha about a situation at work or, you know, whatever, is that really helping anything? And like, you know, when we talk about cheerfulness, we talked about, you know, grumbling and complaining, like, does it do good? Like if I call my mama and tell her my bad day, if I call Jason and tell him about my bad day, then I call my grandma and tell her about my bad day. Well, guess what guys, by the time I end that phone call, those phone calls, I'm going to be completely worn out first off. I'm probably not going to have anything done because I've been on the phone complaining. So then I'm behind. Then I probably don't have supper cooked or whatever my duties I need to be doing, actually focusing on my priorities. Well, they're not going to be done because I've spent all my time complaining on the phone. Um, and then my problems are going to be magnified because that's all I focus on. You know, it says when discontentment is when you focus on your troubles and contentment is when you focus on Christ. So just really think about what you are. Oh, I can hear myself echoing. Sorry. So really think about what you're putting in your mind for one. Read your Bible. Edify yourself. By, that word's going to build you up, guys. And make sure that you're not just in your thoughts about your trouble. When, you when bad things happen, that's human nature to think you know, oh, poor me, but remember, no matter what can hurt you or touch you or affect you in this life, it has no hold on Christ. Even if we die, Christ is there. We're going to wake up and we're going to see him. So it does not matter. It does matter, but we need to make sure that our focus is on God and Christ and his promises to us, okay, because that's the only thing that's going to make us content. So, um, you know, contentment, like we said, may not, um, it's not, it probably more than likely won't change our circumstance, but it can make it a more comfortable thing to bear. So the weight might not be as heavy because you're not sitting there grumbling and complaining and telling everybody. Um, and you're learning to be content in the situation and trust God. That's a big thing. That's a big maturity thing. You got to learn to trust God in situations that, you know, sometimes you don't really feel like you can. Um, and a lot of the times I know me, I'm like, okay, here, God, here you go. Give it to you. Well, then five minutes later, I'm laying in bed. Oh my goodness. You know, I'm like starting to think, how can I fix this problem? Well, that's not really giving it to God. You can pray about it. And then read the Bible, find a good book that's about Christ and his life or just something that's going to put your focus on him. Because when you sit there and worry about your troubles, it's just going to get worse. Um, number six, be humble rather than thinking about what you deserve or that you deserve better. Um, be, be grateful for what you have. That's a big thing for me. Um, I used to, you know, be one of those people and that's like, um, I deserve to, like, I'm just really tired. Like, my kid has been awful this week and I just need a break. Like, I just deserve to just go and, like, have a massage. Like, I deserve that. Home girl, no, you don't. Like, that's your kid. You raise your kid, you know. Like, I don't deserve that. Yes, I get breaks and yes, I'm so thankful for that. 
but I don't deserve it. And understanding the difference in that is a huge change. You know, like we don't deserve things like culture says, okay? God gives us everlasting life, not because we deserve it, because we do not deserve it. We are not good people. We are saved by Christ and we can live in that assurance that, you know, when we die, we're going to wake up with him. But, um, so don't, I mean, that really got me down and discontent. That was one of the things too, was, you know, I just thought I deserved stuff instead of just being a big girl, putting my big girl panties on when I had a hard day and still completing the wifely duties or the mommy duties that I have been given. Um, because ultimately, isn't that our um, first, you know, ministry for children um, and our, you know, our lives at home? And so when, you know, I learned that, let me take care of that first, then it was really good for me because I don't do it. You know, there's a difference in cleaning the dishes and, you know, cleaning them discontently. Is that a word? Discontently? Discontented, maybe? Um, so just remember to be humble in those situations. Keep a clear conscience before God. Um, sin, like the, like the book says, sin's only going to muddy the water. So make sure that you are doing your best to strive and work out that sanctification. Um, and then he gave us some homework. But before we get there, you know, it just says contentment is sweet. It makes all situations better. And I'm just reading on page 30 right now. Um, discontent, you know, it's going to make them worse. Contentment keeps us from many other sins like covetousness, envy, anger, murmuring, and all other ungodly competition with others. That's easy to do, y'all. Competition with others. Like, Caledonia is a pretty um, big school, and, you know, there's a lot of teachers there, and everybody's such a wonderful teacher, and at the beginning of my career, I just wanted to kind of compare myself, like, oh my goodness, they're doing this, this, and this, and this, and I'm just struggling to get through the day, you know, just make sure you're not comparing yourself to others as far as allowing it to be a competition and be a source of envy. Um and then our possessions will never satisfy our souls. Only Christ can satisfy us and bring us the deep satisfaction that we all hunger for. Contentment gives us the victory over ourselves, our minds. Remember, Christians are to take up their cross and die to themselves. When we choose to be cheerful and thankful, our spirits are quieted and we must rest in God. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy our study. Join us again.